Welcome to Mama Talk Talks, A Different Take, a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm pleased you're joining us today. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Mama Talk Talk. I am your host, Abi Mambo, and today I have a fantastic guest who actually I just recently got acquainted with Marco Victor, who is many things, one of which is a motivational speaker, and he is from Angola. And today, Marco and I will be talking about a number of things, but mostly Pan-Africanism. So welcome to the show, Marco. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We're here at the beautiful Accra, and it's always good to be in other points of Africa and learn about the culture and get to know other people from other places of Africa, do our network and see if we can restart the Pan-Africanism movement. Right. So we're getting right into it, aren't we? (laughs) What is the Pan-African movement? And I guess to understand what that is, what is it to be Pan-African? Yeah. Well, if we go back to history and we want to talk about William Dubois, Marcus Gravy, or our fathers from Africa, like Kwame Nkrumah, because we're here in Ghana, yes. and how they started the African Union and Pan-Africanist movement had to do with uh, fighting for the rights of Africans. Um, it has to do with the, the slavery movement. It had to do with us getting independent and the independent movement in Africa, all the big ones, yep. all our fathers, they came together as one to actually fight for the independence of Africa. They did not just think, well, let's Ghana be independent, mm-hmm. and Nigeria, mm-hmm. and Angola. No, no, no. They came together as one and the movement started in the 60s and it went down to the 90s when Namibia got actually their independence. Right. And it was so beautiful to read about it because I'm young. I didn't leave that moment. Yeah. But uh, reading about it is so exciting. It's like you're reading like an action novel, yes. you know? Um, and when I say novel, is not to disrespect anything that went on, but it's they're our heroes. Uh, most of them are not alive anymore yeah. to pass on the message to us. So we have to read about them. Ask me like, how do I see this now? I see the African Union more as a political organization mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. actually something that I feel the action, something that I feel results. I feel that we have lost the drive. Right. Before we talk about why you think we've lost the drive, I'm curious to understand from your perspective, yeah. you know, you talk about the fight for the continent mm. and you talk about how you didn't leave during that mm. time, mm. but you and I were alive yeah. when South Africa gain independence in the mm-hmm. sense of the whole yeah, of apartheid. all yeah yeah and i remember exactly where i was mm-hmm. and how old i was when nelson mandela was released from prison yeah i was i remember i was walking down savannah street mm-hmm. in bamenda and people started screaming yeah and running out in the streets and celebrating yeah and i think about what you just said in saying we didn't leave during that time but can you imagine what it was like when that was happening Several times a year yeah. or a few times a year, yeah. every other year in the in the late 50s to the mid 60s. Yeah, well, as you said, do many things. And one of the things is motivational speaker. And I just need people to understand what where the word motivation comes from. Mm-hmm. The word motivation comes from a word in Latin that is movere. Movere means uh, to move, to come, to live from one place to another place. Yeah. So motivation is the strength 
that you have, the power that you have to keep moving. Mm -hmm. And nothing makes you move more than results. Yes. Okay, so if you have a result, you have like dopamine goes up to your brain, releases in your brain. Dopamine is a hormone that will make you happy, will make you actually uh, excited. Yep. And, and you'll be able to have the strength and the courage to keep on moving. Yeah. So one yeah. of the things, it's, as you said, back in those days, that was happening like, like weekly, monthly, every year. Yes. So they had the courage because they were excited because they had results. And one of the things that I see is when people feel like the fight is not as big, they do not dedicate much of their strength, power, resources to win it. Yeah. And one of the things that happened, and I don't want to get into the why do I think we lost the drive. I don't want to get into that yet. I'll wait for you to ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but the, one of the things that I see as a huge difference than when Nelson Mandela was released and Namibia got free of, uh, and became independent, the apartheid movement was finished. One of the images that comes to my head, it's like, I always wanted to go to South Africa. Yes. And I couldn't go to South Africa because my passport said valid to everywhere except, except South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I it do. was big to me. Yes. Like as soon as Nelson Mandela was released, you know where my next trip was to? South Africa. South Africa. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it feels like, you know, the time when the ban was not completely lifted, but somewhat lifted for Americans to visit Cuba. Yeah. People started finding all kinds of reasons to go to Cuba yeah, because it was yeah. this enigma, right? Yes. To the American people. Now, let's talk about the movement. Yeah. And Angola mm -hmm. has such a rich history there. Yes. yes. And a challenging one as well. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the movement, yeah. your reflections, you were alive during mm -hmm. the Civil War. Yeah, I was. So what was that experience like and how does it inform how you Pan-Africanism? Because yeah. the reason why I asked you at the beginning mm -hmm. what Pan-Africanism is, is because we just talked about the example of South Africa. Yeah where there was a time when, and I think to some extent it's true, yep. some South Africans don't actually think of themselves as African because part of <laughs> apartheid separated yeah. the black population in particular from yeah. the rest of Africa. So there was this sense of them and us. Yeah. So how has your history as an Angolan actually informed your perspective on Pan-Africanism? Well, as an Angolan, if I go back to, to our colonial years, the Portuguese were in Angola for 500 years. Mm -hmm. They got there in 1495, and they left in 1975. Wow. They left, I might say, quotation marks. No, they did not leave. Really? They actually escaped <laughs> as independence. After a fight, a civil, a fight with them, a fight for independence, they, Angola became independent in November 11, 1975. That wouldn't be possible without the other African countries helping yes. Angola. Yes. One of the countries that most of Angola is not very mentioned because it's a small country was Equatorial Guinea. Really? Exactly. That was one of the first places where Angolans went through. The Angolans that were in the head of our political movements went to when they were running away from Angola and starting to plan and strategize. Why is that? Guinea. Why Equatorial Guinea? Uh, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly why Equatorial Guinea, but my answer to you would be everywhere was a good place to be but Angola because yeah. they needed to be safe yeah. and strategize how yeah. they would come back and work the independence movement. So mm -hmm. they went to Equatorial Guinea, they went to Congo Brazzaville, yes. they went to the RDC. They, yes. I mean, 
They went to Morocco, Casablanca. They were everywhere. They yes. were, some of them were studying in Portugal and then met on this called clandestine movement yeah. everywhere in Africa to actually make a movement back to Angola and to get us independent. So this was one of the things that some Angolan, young Angolans don't even know. Yeah. They don't really want to know because we got to a point that we became so individualistic that all you want is your results. Yeah. Yeah. My country, my situation yes. is not our continent. The collective mentality. The collective mentality. Shift. Yeah. And when you talk about, for example, South Africa and Namibia, Angola had such a play on the end of apartheid. Yes. Angola had such a play on the independence of Namibia. Yes. Angola stood up. To, yes. Like I remember, and it's historical for us, our president before the, the one, the actual one we have, Jose Eduardo dos Santos, he was at the UN and he talked about freeing South Africa from the apartheid yeah. at the UN. You know, back then, you're talking about Angola. It's a country that is rich in oil, but we can't do nothing with that oil yeah. if we don't have the support of other Western countries. And yes. We can get into that later. But the thing is, they played the role. He stood up. He said, no, I'm not signing this and that unless South Africa becomes free. Yeah. And that's powerful, right? <laughs> when I look around the continent today, it's easy for me to say, okay, where, where does that kind of power still sit on the continent? And a lot of people say Rwanda is a good example of, you know, one that stands for Pan-Africanism. Mm -hmm. um, what's your take on that? <laughs> not on Rwanda specifically, but yeah. in terms of that kind of clout yeah. to be able to say, I'm not going to do X unless you do Y, which is beneficial for the African people. Well, the last person that did that is that Gaddafi. Mm -hmm. So that's basically my answer. Okay. Uh, nowadays, people will not have the courage to stand up like that. Or I don't see lots of people standing up like that. Mm -hmm. I see organizations like the one we were just invited to be on the event, uh, like uh, the African Leadership Network. I see organizations like MyPAC, that is the most influential people of African descent, that is an organization that actually recognizes African descent people and African people that are doing influential big things throughout the world in Africa, or in the continent, or in the diaspora, yeah. I see small movements because the ALN is small. Yeah. My part is small. Yes. And, but one of the things that happens is we become so comfortable with the small things that we don't scale it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I mm. see, we have a lot of independent initiatives. Yes. Yes. So we don't come together as a collective force. Yes. And that I go back to the fight. When you do not feel it in your skin, mm. when you don't have the skin in the game, what happens is if I'm doing well, I'm traveling, I'm meeting people, yes. why should I worry about the rest? Yes. So that's what the mentality is nowadays. If Angola has problems, why should I worry about the problems in the RDC? Yeah. Why should I worry about the problems in Egypt? Why? Let me solve Angola. You know, but we don't understand is that we are so connected and that even if you go and talk in an economic perspective you look at a market like china for example and you say wow china is a huge market no africa african food if we put africa as a market yes we are a huge market we are and we are the youngest market yes. so, and we are the market with more potential and that's the word i was trying to avoid from the beginning potential because yes. potential it's a tricky word 
it's easy to get trapped in potential. You know, history doesn't tell us of people who have had potential. They talk about people, people that actually did, did something, yes. who accomplished something. Yes, exactly. exactly. So potential is a trap. Potential is the word that I see political people using many times to talk yeah. about how potential, how much potential do we have and blah, blah, blah. And then you get so convinced on the potential and in the hope to transform that potential into reality that the hope drives you. Yes. You don't need to do anything, just to you, hope. You don't have a plan. If you just close to it. Yeah. yeah I'm close to get there. I, I'm close to. So that close to, that expectation that I, I'm closer to, it will make you be happy, satisfied. Yeah. So are we, I dare to use the C word, are we complacent? Are we comfortable? I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but complacent will capture that. Are we complacent? Well, individual people, there are individual people that are exceptions. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be doing this talk if you were comfortable. Right. You were doing this talk and you invited me because you have felt, even in the small, in the small amount of hours that we have spent together, you have felt that I'm not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You are not comfortable. The people that are here, most of the people that are here, they're not comfortable. But there's one thing that we need to talk, and it's the elephant in the room, that is, is how many of us are in the public sector? How many of us are in decision positions in the countries? Yeah. And that's a really thorny one because people will tell you, you can't get much done in the public sector because of red tape. Right. This is what we've been told. Mm-hmm. And so to accelerate change, you want to go where you can move quickly, yeah. which is the private sector. Yeah. But the irony in all that is the private sector doesn't really drive policy. You can influence policy. Yeah. But that's not what policy doesn't come from the private sector. Yeah. So it almost seems like it's this conundrum, right? Which it seems like a while ago as a country, we had some answers and yeah. now we seem a bit yeah. lost. The thing is, we have a lot of problems to solve. We have so many yes. challenges in yes. Africa to be solved. One of the biggest challenges is hunger. You need to feed people. People need to eat. <laughs> yes. You know, and we need to eat like every day. But there's a lot of people in Africa that do not eat every day. There's a lot of people in Africa that eat once a day. If at all. If, if at all. So if you stop to think about that, what happens? You need visionaries. You need people like our old fathers we, we, with the vision of an better Africa. And when you have the vision, you do short-term actions or immediate result actions, but you also look to the long-term. long-term. What I see yeah. is that we have a strategy. Yes. What I see out of my mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Is what I see is we have strategy. What we have, we have a plan of action for now to solve our problems now because this needs now. But you just said, and I agree with you, the continent and some countries more so than others have a lot of problems. Mm. And if we see a house on fire, you're not thinking about rebuilding at that time. You're thinking about putting out the fire. Exactly. Is that what we're doing? Exactly that. But so how can you put out the fire at the same time draw the blueprints for the new house when the the house is still on fire? That's exactly what happened to our people. And that I told you, like, for example, of Angola, we have people making the strategies outside of Angola. Ah. Yes. So you have to choose a group of people with the ability to strategize and put that people in a lab. Yes. In the lack of a better word, in a lab. You guys are looking at the strategy of the country in 30, 50 years. Yes. That's your job. You tell us how to align our actions 
in a way that your strategy for 30 and 50 years is being fed by us now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, when you manage it in your time, for example, one of the things that I do, I do training for time management. And one of the things that I tell people is please do not manage your time, manage your focus. Because <laughs> it's not about being busy, it's about being productive. Yes. Yeah. We got to the age of no, I'm busy. Abama will call me. Marco, come to do my podcast. No, I'm busy. I'm busy. What are you busy doing? Doing. You know, that's something else. And this is what I love about this show is that we can start talking about one thing and go in a completely different but relevant direction. The idea of busyness, you know, I worked in a law firm the first four years of my legal career and it was important to show up. It was important to have face time. It was important to be busy. It was important to be busy, right? And actually, it wasn't important to be busy. It's important to look busy. busy. <laughs> Even worse. And I used to say, if you weren't telling people how stressed out you were, yeah. how busy your weekend was, and how your child was in all these multiple extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. you were somehow the anomaly. Mm-hmm. And so we've gotten used to that. And that's at a, at a micro level. Yeah. But it seems to be happening at a macro level as well, is what you're saying. Yes. That we're, we're, we're busy. Yes. But business doesn't allow you to step outside Yes. And just think strategically, what's all this business getting you in the long term? Nothing. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's not nothing. Because when you're busy, you might be producing something, but you're not producing at your highest level. Yeah. Because your mentality is not a mentality of productivity, it's a mentality of business. Yeah. So what we need in Africa, it's a mentality of production, but a sustainable production. Yeah. We need the mentality of development, but sustainable development. development. We need to understand that all the resources that that we are all connected. If the region is not developing, you are not developing. It's fake development. Because, for example, we're independent. Okay. We have sovereign countries and stuff. How are we economically independent? Are we free to make decisions for our economy without checking with the Western world, without having the approval of the U.S., without the approval of China, without yeah. the approval. Are we free? Yeah. And, and you know, when you say we, yeah. who are you talking about? Because it takes me back mm-hmm. to the original question I asked you, which yeah. is, what is it to be African? And quite frankly, yeah. is it still a relevant concept today? <laughs> Right, because we know, in a sense, the modern African continent yeah. was a construct of colonialism. Yeah, we didn't wake up one day and say, "Let's hold hands, kumbaya." Today we're Africans. Yeah. So where does that leave us? Who is African hmm. today? Well, to be honest with you, if you stop and think about xenophobia, we see that happening everywhere in Africa. Yeah. We people talk about xenophobia nowadays and they talk about South Africa for example oh well there are problems in South Africa there's problems everywhere in Africa yeah it's not just South Africa and then when people were saying like my family lived in Victoria people were saying oh Marco you should be careful about what's happening in Victoria and all throughout South Africa I said be careful with the media the media will portray only the worst things because that's exactly what sells yeah. And going back to your question, so what is it to be African? To be African is to be concerned with the development of the continent as a sustainable 
development to mm -hmm. be to you look at it as a trend as a one it's not i'm able to develop in angola if benin is not development i don't care it's too far from angola no we all need to care the thing is we were kingdoms we had a society defined the european came they destroyed that notion yeah and this gets me very emotional because it's, it, they destroyed us they destroyed us i repeat they took away our culture. They took away our languages. Like in Angola, a kid my age doesn't know how to speak any national languages. Because for 500 years, we were told that the best Angolan was the Angolan that looked more like the white man that spoke Portuguese only. Yes. That dressed like the white man. Yes. And so yes. we lost, like you were saying, did we lose the notion of what's being African? I don't think we lost the notion It's like that. I think our parents, like when I talk about my parents, my parents are at the age of 60. That generation, they still remember that they did not pass it on. Mm. See, mm. in my reality in Angola, they did not pass it, pass on. it on. They did not make us proud of being African. You know, you have exceptions. My dad is 60 now, and he was always in the political arena. So yeah. fighting for independence. He was a kid. He was 15 when we became independent, but he was there. He was active and stuff. So he passed that message to me. My name, my second name is Patrice, like Patrice Lumumba. Lumumba. You know, so these yeah. things come to you. And like to me, one, to be honest with you, one of the things that made me think about Palmer Frequency was my name. I said, why did my dad give me the name Patrice? Patrice. So I went to investigate and research who the hell was Patrice. You know, yeah. so I found out who Patrice Lumumba was. And you find a man that is reading a speech in front of the king of Belgium. Yeah. Saying, why are we thanking you? Yeah. For what? For what? For killing us. And for taking our stuff. For taking our stuff. For cutting hands of kids. Okay. So this is the thing that we need to recover. It's not hate. I'm not asking for hate. I'm asking for us to know where did we come from. A sense of identity. Exactly. We lost our sense of identity. You know, when you talk about this, so I'm Cameroonian by yeah. birth and by heritage, yeah. right? And... I've been to Douala before. Have you? Yeah, yes. And so Douala has an interesting history. And it, whenever this topic comes up, I think of two things. Yeah. One is the name Cameroon. Yeah. What I was taught, and this goes back to Portuguese. Yeah. Um, well, Cameroonian history in a sense, but the Portuguese involvement mm -hmm. in it. And Rio dos Cameroons. Yes. And the fact that Cameroon's name yeah. came from Portuguese. Yes. Hufa River Wuri. Yeah. Right? And I talked to my son about that. And he's nine years, so he's about to be 10 next month. And I talked to him about that history. Yeah. And I said to him, that's pretty wild, isn't it? Because when they came down River Wuri, we had people living there. And they called it something and it which was not Rio dos Cameroons. Right? Mm -hmm. And the second thing that I raise is, you know, Cameroon is quite embattled right now mm -hmm. with the Anglophone minority, which I'm part of. Mm -hmm. My family is from the Northwest province and I was raised in the Central province. So I grew up in Yaoundé. And the irony of all ironies, and this really actually upsets me, is when people say, what, what really is the issue? Yeah. We say the Anglophone Francophone divide, <laughs> right? And, and people argue about, well, we were not part of French Cameroon. And, and the folly to me is we're arguing, and I know it's much deeper than this, but on the surface, we're arguing about being English speaking or French speaking. Like we both of which about are colonial. Dark skin or light skin. Right, but at least dark skin, light skin, that you come out of your mother's womb. Yeah. 
English, French. That's not us. That's not even ours. This is not ours. So the insanity of yes. this is I know beyond. Yeah. Who's feeding that fight? They feed that fight. When and they say, when I say they feed the Western world, the feeds. Because you're going to have to take, you're taking me back to a guy called William Lynch. Mm. William Lynch, when he did this book and his theory of how to raise a good slave. Yeah. One of the first things he said is the fight to conquer. Of course. They divided us. And the way they divided us was so deep impregnated in our mindset that I cannot look into another African that doesn't come from the place that I was born. Yes. And that now has a name that a Portuguese man gave. Yeah. Hmm? And feel like he's my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because he doesn't speak the same language I speak because he doesn't have the same habits that I have. But when did those habits change? What brought the change? What made our cultures so different? And like we, for example, when I'm in Angola, when you go somewhere, one of the things that I notice is that I get to these places of networking and stuff, and there's none Angolans. Yes. Are we arrogant not to come and talk to other Africans? Or are just not enough Angolans that speak English so feel comfortable to come to these events? Are there where we isolated somehow, where so many questions that come to my head and many of them I do not have answers, answers to. to. But I mean, on the point of, you know, division, yeah. I mean, the truth is we had empires Beautiful long before the Europeans came yes. and they traded with each other, but they also spoke different languages and, and we were. cannot pretend that there was no war. There was war. There was war. Our war. There was slavery. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they traded slaves. Yeah. This is not purely... European or American yeah. creations yeah. in Africa. So we have that. And that's yeah. where for me the fundamental question around mm -hmm. in 2019, mm -hmm. who is African is, is relevant because I think some people grapple with that, which may be, and I don't know, which may be the reason why some people want to stay myopic and say, at least mm -hmm. we have this sense of who's Cameroonian, which yeah. we don't. And this is what the we current have the conflict... Sense of what's, what's yeah. So it's a very wild concept. It's very wide. Try to understand who really is African, who, who feels African, who yeah. doesn't feel African. Yes. Does it have to do with race? Does it have to do with origin, ethnical, or tribe? I think it's much more than that. I think that the blueprint is much wider than that. Yeah. I think an African man or woman, it's someone, like I said, extremely concerned and dedicated and active in the change of Africa to become a better place. Yeah. That's an African person yeah. for me. Yeah. Is he white? I don't care. So yeah. For you, it's more of a mindset. It's a mindset. For me, and what you're doing down, with yeah, that. Yeah. It all goes down to the mindset. Yeah. Are you contributing? Yeah. Are you bringing your competencies to Africa to transform it into a better place? Yeah. Yeah. You know, are, are you committed to Africa? So if you are committed to Africa, if you are competent and you're bringing your competencies to contribute, Africa to become a better place. So you want Africa. Yeah. This is my way of seeing things. Ah, okay. That's neat. So you don't subscribe to the notion that just because you were born here or your no. heritage is from here, no. that automatically you're African, you're card carrying no. African. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You might have an African passport, uh -huh. but it doesn't mean you're an African. And that's a really good or challenging way to look at it. A challenging in that yeah. it stimulates some thinking because yeah. one of the things that America has figured out is when you're born in America, you become an American citizen. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. You get taxed, Yeah. right, as an American yeah. citizen. Yeah. Your allegiance is first and foremost to the United States of America. Yeah. 
And that I, but it does not preclude you from being a citizen of another country. So I find that really interesting. But you will be taxed by the United States government, right? And so if you are born in Brazil, you're Brazilian. If you are born in the States, you're American. You are a U.S. citizen. It's their law. Yeah. I have a daughter that was born in L.A., California. Yeah. She's a U.S. citizen. She has a passport. Yeah. yeah. If you ask my daughter, my daughter is eight. Where are you from? She's going to tell Angola. Angola. Okay? Because that's her reality. Yeah. That's what she lives. She's being uh, raised to understand that she needs to contribute to a better Angola, to a better Africa, to be committed to the African people, to become what we were. We, you were talking about slavery. We weren't slaves. We became enslaved. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. We were not born slaves. We were enslaved. Enslaved meaning we were forced to become a slave. Mm-hmm. We were taken away from our continent to other continents to build those continents. But now, let me ask you this question. What if a person is a result of some people that were slavery trade, like in Brazil, yep. for example, which yep. is the biggest, the second biggest black community in the world. First yep. is Nigeria, yep. second is Brazil. Yep. So imagine this, imagine in Brazil, those people that were born there, generations of people that were slaves, are they Brazilians? Are they Africans? Why are they? They're Brazilians. But they do not feel that like they were recognized as Brazilians. Yeah. The black population in Brazil represents 51% of the population of the old country, but still they do not feel like their voice is heard. But I mean, the, the fascinating thing about Brazil is the one drop rule, right? Which also begs the question, what is black in Brazil? It's defined in almost opposite terms from how it's defined in the U.S., right? One drop of black makes you black in the U.S. and one drop of white makes you white in Brazil and all these kind of <laughs> really wild things. So, so now we have a generation coming up behind us who flout these things, right? Because it's so complicated. The census gets longer and longer every year. With, yeah. Are you black or white or non-white Hispanic and all this stuff? And people are just like, oh, are you biracial? Are you multiracial? Are you... I mean, after a while, it's like, by goodness, what are we measuring here? Yeah, we are human beings. I'm yeah. forgetting about that. Yeah. Uh, before we are Africans, before we are black, we are human beings. Yeah. And uh, of course, this is uh, all philosophical. I would love to have a world united. I would love to have a world with no uh, war. I would love to have a world uh, where we all could be happy. Yes. And friends. You, you um, want to live in the fairy tales. There we go. <laughs> uh, but if you're going to talk about geopolitics, geostrategy, uh, of course, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, not in our lifetime. Yeah. So my concern is my dedication is Africa. Do I mean, Marco, do you mean we're not going to have bilateral, multilateral relation with other continents? No, of course we will. But one of the things that brings results is for you to have a priority. Yes. And my priority is Africa. The priority of all Africans shall be Africa, my point of view. Not because we cannot learn or share information and resources even with our other continents, other countries outside of Africa. Of course we can and we might because the communication, the exchange of knowledge, the exchange of experience, that's so enriching. Yeah. And that's so we need to do that. Uh, we need
is meant to people feel welcome to Africa, but not to exploit Africa. To contribute. To contribute. Yes. If you come to Africa with an idea of contribution, even if you make money and you take money back home, that's okay. Yeah. But don't exploit African yeah. people. Don't exploit African resources. Yeah. One of the things that I do not understand, and now let me go to the economical part of it. I'm part of my life, I worked in finance. So mm -hmm. going back to that side now. Yeah. If you talk about the economical, the, the finance factors, uh, how can we still allow people to come to Africa, get our resources in a raw manner, take it, transform, <laughs> and then bring it back and sell it to us at a higher price? You know the example I always use as I'm teaching my son yeah. history now. I ask him, which country do you think makes the best chocolate? Mm -hmm. And almost everybody says what? Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. And I said, how many cocoa plantations are in Switzerland? If he considers Cote d'Ivoire, Switzerland, maybe he'll find the right? lot. <laughs> but but, but that's, that's exactly my point. Exactly. And it's things like that. We don't necessarily put the dots together yeah. right away. Yeah. Or we talk about great Belgian chocolate. You step yeah. back and you say, but hold on, cocoa, where yeah. is it coming from? Yeah. They're not growing it in these places. No. If you just think about if we want to go down that route, cell phones. Mm. Where does the material from cell phones mm. come from? The RDC. Mm. Mm. So one of the things that we need to understand is that war in the richest countries of Africa, war will always be there. Fight for resources. Yes. Yeah. But it's not just a fight that is actually done by the locals. It's a fight that is fed and it's incentivized for those outside that need our resources at a lower price. That's interesting. I'll stop us there because yeah. we're running out of time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but there will be a part two of this because I think for Sunday morning, yeah. we went quite deep today and I really like that. Now, before we go, sure. one of the things that I've been thinking about is I'm teaching my son. My son was born in the US. Mm. He's lived in South Africa. Mm -hmm. We now live in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And it's very a man important. of the world. Yes. It's very important for me that he grows up to be a world citizen yeah. in that sense and have that sensibility. Yeah. Would you tell, in your definition of African, what is your greatest wish for the African child? Well, my kids, for example, I have five kids, lovely kids. I have been extremely blessed. My kids, one was born in Angola, two were born in South Africa, one was born in Portugal, and the other one was born in the States. That's quite international. Okay. So if you stop and think about that, what do they have in common? What's their pattern? What makes them one? Yeah. Is that the way they were raised by me was that um, wherever you are, please do not forget your identity. Yeah. Please do not forget your DNA. Please do not forget where you come from. And please remember, the only way to grow is to actually grow as a, as a group. Yeah. There's an African saying, you want to go fast, go by yourself. You want to go, go far, far, you go together. Yes. That's one of my favorite lines. Yeah. Yeah. So Ubuntu, is one of the most important things that we need to teach our kids is uh, an Ubuntu to those who listen to us and don't know what it is. It's uh, I am because we are. Yes. The we, it's an important factor that we need to teach our kids. Yeah. No matter where you are, remember about we. And the we can be extensive to the we as human beings. Yes. Do the right thing and always support the right thing. Always contribute for better things to happen in the world, mm -hmm. but have a priority. Have something that drives you. 
and I will convince my kids the best thing, the best priority for them is to have a better Africa. And to start and keep a movement. Yeah, start a movement. Because that keeps you going and that's inspiring. Thank you so oh, much. You. It's been such a fantastic conversation and I have every intention of bringing you back because I think we have lots more to cover. Yeah. And so to our listeners everywhere, thank you for joining us today. And we will be back for another yeah, edition of Mama Talk Talk. And this is the place where we invite everyday people to share a different take on everyday issues. Amazing. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And please spread the word. I will. The intention here is to really get people talking, not just across Africa, but also across the world. Because yeah. I think one of the things you said in the beginning about the media is, you know, it's sensationalized. And I'm really interested in hearing what people on the ground actually think about the issues that we've just been talking yeah, about. Sure. All right. Thank it was you. great having you. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. All right. Bye, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our latest episode. Share your thoughts in the comments below or by emailing ab at mamatalktalk.com. Continue the conversation in your homes and communities. And when you join us next week, please invite a friend or many. For more diverse perspectives on everyday issues from everyday people around the globe, please subscribe to our podcast at mamatalktalk.com forward slash a different take. And join our online family by following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Abi Mambo, Sigashina, stay well.